1: The Book Riot Podcast is sponsored by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For just $8 a month, you'll get easy-to-use drag-and-drop layouts, 24-7 live chat support, and beautiful responsive designs that will make your website look great on any device. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter offer code POETRY at checkout. A better web starts with your website. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 77, and we're recording on Thursday, October 30th. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm here with Mike Shinsky. We're coming to you live to tape from bookriot.com, or I guess I don't know what the metaphor is now, live to, pick, live to binary code. Um, I'm book riot from (laughs) bookriot.com.
0: Yeah, that's the kind of morning we're going to (laughs) have. Yeah, I know.
1: I've been up watching baseball till midnight the last couple of nights.
0: I can't talk about it. We're both
1: from Kansas City or the Kansas City area, so we're watching our long beleaguered Royals uh, try to win the World Series. It was a good run. It was fun to watch, I have to admit. uh,
0: Anyway. I'm so. just now. Let's just roll right into NCAA tournament season. Yeah, I, I feel so much more comfortable there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, so I've been up till midnight, and the kids are getting up at 5:30, and I'm just, I'm just not quite <laughs> firing on all cylinders.
0: Yeah, so. I'm in a just barrage of good cultural things. Yes. Too. There was the World Series, and I'm listening to Amy Poehler's new book, no, which is great.
1: Don't step on it. We got to talk about the book we're gonna, later. Okay. We're going to
0: talk about it later. Actually, if we could just delete the agenda for this show i could talk to you about it for an hour at least um and i'm almost finished with the west wing so there it's you little, go like i don't know if i well, i don't know what to look at or what to think about right
1: now that's pretty good it's you it's uh you've got a, a buffet of awesome stuff uh in front of you that's yeah good. it's
0: not terrible
1: speaking of buffets of awesome stuff it's it's holiday time and mm-hmm. people like to give gifts i'm told i um,
0: I've, i feel it's a thing that some people enjoy And
1: last year we did a uh a book recommendation show where basically listeners email us with their, you know, we we're, basically if you're trying to find a book for somebody and you don't know exactly what to get them, Email us and we do a show going through the requests and giving our own recommendations. It could even be a request for yourself. Oh yeah, so we it's a did chance to those. give your own personal recommendations from us. We don't. You don't even have to lie and say it's for somebody else. Say, I want a book request. We totally asking for a friend. Asking, yeah, asking for a friend. Don't do that. Say, I'm asking for you, um, and we'll do a, a special episode that I think will get published right before Thanksgiving. So
0: yeah, we'll drop that the week of Thanksgiving.
1: If you're going to do some Black Friday shopping or that weekend when everybody else does um, we'll have some ideas for you. It's a fun show. I always enjoy that one.
0: Yeah, that will that will be a good time. You can shoot us an email at podcast at bookriot.com uh, If you want to remain anonymous, just make sure you tell us that so we don't say your name on the show. I know last year we had somebody who was like, don't say my name yes. because my, my husband also listens. <laughs> <laughs> um, or you can tweet at us and we'll pull all of the yeah. requests together. But you have a couple weeks to do it, so be thinking. I know it's Early, it feels early to start thinking it, about uh, the holidays. It It's November
1: but, on Saturday, man. I know. We've got a couple weeks to get people and then a couple weeks for us to take a look at the recommendations. But if, and, you're,
0: uh, yeah, if you're rolling around thinking about yeah. who to shop for, what books to get them. Um, and last year's episode, I guess, is somewhere in the tw- in the 20s. Yeah, like- I'll
1: link to it. I'll put it in the show notes for this episode, which will be at bookride.com slash podcast. Uh, for episode 77, you can find a link to last year's show. Um, it probably holds the,
0: up. I remember it was called the nerdiest of elves. Yes,
1: the nerdiest <laughs> of book elves, I think. You know, pretty soon I'm gonna have to get those lights back on the uh, logo. Get the Christmas lights back on the podcast image. That's always I know, a maybe good we'll fess- start
0: getting seasonal for other things too. Like, I should have, have a pumpkin it, or
1: a skeleton on it now? Or uh, we could
0: have like a Pepe Le Pew style hearts flowing off of it for oh, Valentine's yeah, or Day, or a
1: spreadsheet for tax <laughs> season. <laughs>
0: Or you know we are rolling towards our 100th episode. Yeah, we need
1: ideas for a 100th episode. We gotta
0: we gotta think about what to do for the 100th episode, and I think we might have to make a methodology corner
1: T-shirt. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you yeah, if you'd like if you'd wear a methodology corner T-shirt, shoot us an email or let us know some way you can get a hold of us. Uh, anyway, let's do our first sponsor. Squarespace is back. It's the simple and easy way to get a beautiful all-in-one website. You go to. Squarespace.com, enter offer code POETRY and get 10% off and a free trial. So here's what it is. It makes it easy to make a beautiful website. More and more, any, it's really hard to think. I was thinking about this the other day. What, do you, what can you do in your real life that it wouldn't be useful to have a website for? i i don 't really know uh, something illicit is all I can think about. <laughs> I think even
0: people who do illicit things have websites
1: probably you 'd want a simple and easy, beautiful Squarespace site, even for your Shell corporation um, for whatever <laughs> you 're doing but squarespace it, it's really makes it easy, and there's a couple of things that make it especially easy. One is that more and more we 're all looking at the inter interwebs in different size screens all the way from a i guess what a four inch iPhone all the way up to like a 30-inch desktop computer. Mm -hmm. And it's super hard to design a website on your own that looks good on all of those devices. Um, I think that's my favorite thing about Squarespace right now is that all of their templates... They're pre-built templates that you can customize, but the underlying structure is built to scale to whatever screen it's being seen on. So that's really, really helpful. You get 24-7 live chat customer support. If there's something you're trying to do, or you mess something up, or you're just not sure how to click this one button, or this thing isn't doing what you think it should be doing, even though it is beautiful, simple, and easy on Squarespace, they've got people there ready to answer your questions at all times. Every hour of the day. I think they're even open on uh, holidays when you should be out shopping for cheap shoes the day after Thanksgiving. Um, another nice thing, too, every site comes with a built-in online store e-commerce component. You don't have to pay extra for it. So you can sell whatever it is you might be interested in selling from PDFs to Porsches. Um, the other nice thing I like about Squares especially, and this is a good sign that you like the company, is the free trial doesn't mm-hmm. require you to use a credit card. Just yeah. your email address and you have to set up a, a, an account, but you don't have to enter in your credit card and then remember and accidentally get charged one month because you didn't remember to do it and blah, blah, blah. That
0: makes me trust them a little extra. Yes. But, you know, they're not trying to trick you into forgetting you have this thing you yeah, have to cancel.
1: Right. Um, and their plan started at just $8 a month. And if you sign up for a year, you can get a free domain registration. Um, So you can get your website and host it there and have it all in one place. So thanks so much to Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com and our offer code POETRY. That lets you know you came from us. And whatever dollars you throw at them, they can figure out if it's worth it to keep sponsoring it. And we like it if it's worth it to keep sponsoring us. So that's very helpful to do.
0: And if you build a Squarespace after listening to the show, send us a link and tell us about your website and what you're doing so that we can see it and give you a shout out and then people can find you on the internet.
1: All right, well, let's start out with, I guess yeah, – I'd say we'd call it a uh, thorough-going, th- thoroughgoing concern of this podcast.
0: Oh, I think it would be fair to say so. Uh,
1: I don't know. Methodology and diversity in books and publishing, if we have two shingles, those are two of them yeah, for sure. Yeah, those are
0: our through lines. Um,
1: and, the wee- <laughs> and crying
0: about Marilyn yeah, Robinson. Yeah, <laughs> right,
1: or Morrison. Uh, crying about 70-year-old uh, <laughs> literary fiction writers from the Midwest. Um the We Need Diverse Books campaign is now more than a campaign. It's an organization. They're an official 5013C nonprofit, um, and they have started an ambitious new, I guess, Indiegogo campaign, a crowdsource campaign. I kind of use Kickstarter like I use Kleenex, which is it's sort of mm-hmm. a generic term, but that's mm-hmm. not fair because it's actually on Indiegogo. But it's basically their Kickstarter. Darn it, they're crowdfunding a... Well, what are they crowdfunding? They're
0: crowdfunding a bunch of things. Yes. So they are setting out to raise $100,000 and they are at almost 54000 yes. as of this recording with 26 days left.
1: So the Signs are only, good to make it's,
0: it. Yeah, it's only a week old. They are going to make this and I, I would anticipate they're going to blow it out of the water. Mm-hmm. And so what they're looking to do is to um, be able to purchase books with divert by, uh, by and about people of color and put them into classrooms and also contribute to the publication of diverse books um, to support diverse authors with um, the Walter Dean Myers Award and Grant Program, which they've created to recognize outstanding diverse contributions uh, by young adult and middle grade authors and to provide funds to help develop new diverse authors and artists. They're going to create diverse programming so that they can have uh, presence at your, some of your funding will help the We Need Diverse books team go to conferences across the country to talk about fostering positive, honest, constructive discussions about diversity and and talk about why this matters in publishing, why it matters to uh, particularly kids today. Um, they're going to create educational kits and they're going to host the Inaugurable inaugural.
1: <laughs> inaugurable. That means that's you're capable, thing. you're uh, able to be inaugurated. You may be inaugurated. You may,
0: yeah, right. uh, It will be, it's a celebration of diversity in children's literature that's going to be held in D.C. in the summer of 2016. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, basically a festival that will showcase diverse authors and illustrators and talk about authors who write diversely and will have programming geared to promoting the importance of diverse books and sharing life experiences. Um, These folks are not messing around. No,
1: there's nothing messing around about this. Yeah,
0: this is serious business. There's a spreadsheet, there are flow charts, pie charts. We Need Diverse Books team has, like they have done their research. Um, You can read up on the Indiegogo page about what's, you know, what's really driving this. But one of the I think one of the most shocking and the important stats here is that more than half of school children today are minorities. Mm-hmm. Um, but a study that we talked about several months ago from um, the Children's Book Children's Book Research Center, something like that, um, showed that only like three or four percent of all children's books published last year were by or about people of color. Yep. So there's just a huge gap between. Who's in the world and yeah, and who's
1: out who's, there and who's being represented? And right, that's, that's that's the fundamental um, thing. So
0: if you care about this, you can throw five bucks at the yep. We Need Diverse Books Indiegogo. You can throw five hundred bucks. You can throw more than that. They have, you know, some great uh, prizes lined up. Yeah, on there it's you get, it's kind of like
1: a standard nonprofit. You know, you get a. There's a bag or a note card set or a sticker, or a thank you. Um, they're all tax deductible because they are a, a registered, it says in their um, project description that they're a f- registered 5013 50- c So it is a charitable contribution. So it is getting towards holidays time. And I know a lot of people do some charitable giving around this time of year. This would be a good idea, um, mm-hmm. you know, one among many. I should say, too, it's interesting. I was reading the, the, um, their description and they talk about the origin, right? About uh-huh. how after BookCon author lineup got whitewashed, that this has really got kicked off. Mm-hmm. And I, the the piece they link to is the LA Times book piece. And you know who the first person quoted in there is?
0: Who is it, Jeff?
1: It's yours truly, <laughs> Jeff <laughs> O'Neill.
0: Is that your amazing tweet about how the BookCon? Yes,
1: there are more lineup and people more- of color scheduled for BookCon, and the I, so and- I don't know. We had some small part to play. And, we did. Um, um, and it probably it may have been a thing on its own and, and might well have been, but I, I don't know if that's disclosure we should say, that you know we were part of the thing that well, got moving here. I don't want to take credit for anything they've yeah, done at all. I don't
0: know that it's a thing that needs to be disclosed, and we certainly don't want to take credit no, for them no, but no, we have a horse in this race yeah this is something we, we care. care about and yeah uh, we care about how this turns out um meg medina who's one of the driving forces behind mm-hmm. we need diverse books is from richmond and is a friend of mine you've had her on the she reading was on the lives reading lives
1: podcast she was great. podcast
0: we we love her um so the, can, uh, one, maybe in though, terms of disclosure
1: we're not gonna not maybe not able to be super <laughs> critical of the or, of the project, right? Like we're invested in the ideals mm-hmm. of it. Maybe that's all I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah. Well,
0: and you know, when the, uh, when the reading rainbow Kickstarter came out, there were some, some interesting, and it seemed to me valid criticisms and concerns being raised about, um, where the funding is going private corporation. Go. It's a private corporation. Um, I've been looking around, you know, like I, I think you're right that we are maybe not capable of being totally objective about oh. we need diverse books. Um, if we can just pretend for a second that any human can well, be yeah, totally right. objective about anything. Um, but I was looking around to see if anybody else has concerns or criticisms about how this campaign is being run or what the money would go mm-hmm. to. And, you know, other than the run of the mill, um, let the market bear out what matters and right. maybe as if the market just... is
1: in a horrible cesspool right. of misogyny yeah. and racism.
0: Right. Um, aside from the typical, you know, bingo game of things people say to you when you talk about why diversity matters on the Internet, there's. I haven't seen anything. So that's not to say that there couldn't be, but I think we need diverse books. Like as we said, these folks have done their research. They are prepared. They know what they're talking about and they're coming out swinging. Like this, this is a group of people that are really looking to make a difference. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and this is a huge step. This campaign towards you know even more publicity for it. There's a like John Green is talking about yep. why this matters now. Um, some big voices are lending their support to an issue that that really matters. And if we have been or if we can be a part of that success going forward, then I'm all for yeah, it. Yeah, I, 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 I don't intend to be objective about it at all. No,
1: I guess that's what <laughs> I was trying to say. Is like I'm all for this. Um, both the motivation and the execution and the whole, the whole thing around it. So I guess that's all I was trying to say, and I also like to get my um, the, the tweet heard around the world, my most famous tweet <laughs> for sure, and it's hard to imagine I'll have one that's uh, better than that. Yeah, it's it's just get, sitting there, just sitting there to be crap. You
0: probably should have just you know shut down your Twitter account. I
1: thought about it. The, after the, that the, one. The social media equivalent of a mic drop, which is just, just go silent. <laughs> Run Silent, <laughs> Run Deep on Twitter after that. Um, you know, it's funny. This is a way of kind of segueing into our next little story. It's related to this in some way of talking about markets deciding mm-hmm. and the markets being efficient. You know, I think one thing that crowdfunding has told us is that the markets as currently comprised don't adequately fulfill demand for reasons that are structural as much as they are cultural. Mm-hmm. Um, one is, you know, if if, if you need big corporations to raise money in a way to reach small donors, small backers, um, the internet and social media lets you reach them in a way that you really needed capital. And, you know, a social media presence allows you to have marketing and publicity in ways you really never could have before. Yeah. Um, we Need Diverse Books It's certainly... An example of that, um, but there's a Joan, there's a Kickstarter running right now for a Joan Didion documentary. It's even more. It's actually a more conventional kind of project. Like it's a documentary yeah. about a writer, um, that is already funded. I think it's already way above what they were trying to do, and you can still contribute and get you know early access and all those kinds of things. But the thing, interesting quote from the creators behind it is like they have spent three three and a half years. Going to you know, traditional documentary financers and movie producers trying to get money to raise this. And they got you know, their quote, and it's a good one, is we got a better response and more support in twenty four hours from mm-hmm. the internet than we did in three and a half years of trying to chase down traditional financing. So I think that's an interesting way of thinking about it, is like the market is only efficient is if you have all the kinds of tools and platforms to make it efficient. Right. And historically, underfunded, unappreciated um marginalized kinds of projects, voices, and creators are getting a chance to really go to the market themselves. And so you're getting these kinds of projects that we wouldn't, you know, wouldn't well, have seen.
0: And any. I think this is actually what what crowdfunding does is give us a more complete sense yes. of really what the market wants. Because historically and culturally the conversation about like, well let the market determine the market is really like, who's in charge of buying scripts at movie mm-hmm. studios? Who's in charge of buying manuscripts for publishing houses? And what those people's judgment tells them other people want. Or what their biases that they don't even know they have right. tell them that that readers want or that moviegoers want. And so what we get to see with crowdfunding is that... You know, five thousand people who donate ten bucks each yes. is just as powerful or perhaps more powerful in demonstrating what the market wants, what actual people who consume media want than one guy with fifty grand in his pocket.
1: Yeah, I mean I you're absolutely right about sort of the cultural biases built into, you know, who, who was deciding. But I think I guess the point I was trying to make is the one I hadn't really thought about is more structural. It's like mm. before this, how would you get ten dollars from 10,000 people who don't know you already. Like, there's just no way to do it. And the yeah. returns on investment to try to do a small project for a big corporation just aren't there. Whereas, if you know you're three guys or three women making a $100,000 Joan Didion documentary, you just need to get in front of Joan Didion fans. Right. Um, rather than, you know, have to convince a studio that the Joan Didion, like explain who Joan Didion is, right, first yeah. of all. Right, The then, internet
0: like, has Joan Didion fans yeah, in Yeah, just ready
1: there. Or, you know, people who want to support a We Need Diverse cam- Books campaign or whatever it might mm-hmm. be, um, that the fragmentation of people's interest finally has... Some outlet in funding projects that people want to make. Um, I think that's, I just think that's really great. Yeah, I cool. think it's awesome. That's really great. And I think we're going to see more and more. Yeah,
0: there's of a this. Uh, there's a GIF file that I've seen floating around the internet that's like a baby throwing dollar bills out a window. Yes. And that is how I feel about this We Need Diverse Books campaign. I would be like, just take all my dollars, just take them. <laughs> Here you can have them. Yeah. Uh, it's And it's cool to for readers to actually be able to have that kind of an impact. Like, you can do more now than just go to the bookstore and buy the books that demonstrate your value. You can participate in the process of bringing more books that represent your values and that meet the needs that you see in the culture.
1: Yeah, and, you know, we've done some of it ourselves. Um, we You know, we oh, right. kickstarted a couple of... Uh, You know, book collections start here, volume one and two, and had good responses there. And I think that, as much as anything, clued us in that there's something going on here that's Mm -hmm. interesting. Um, All right. We got a lot to get through. So we better let's take a couple of these one at a time. Um. Yeah, you want to take? What do you want
0: to take? I, w- I do. I want to take the next two. Yeah, t- I'm t- I was so gonna so say excited. these are yours.
1: We're kind of going out of order here. But.
0: It was like such an exciting week in book announcements and book related stuff announcements. And the first is that there's gonna be a Beyonce biography.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or a biography, if
1: you yeah, will. come on.
0: I. It's the headline. It's mm-hmm. the USA Today headline. I cannot take credit for that. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, good work to Patrick Ryan. Yes. Who came is it up it authorized? with it. Is it authorized? Is, um, it, you is know she what, participating? I am not okay. sure. Um, well, no, she is. Um, exclusive mm. interviews. Okay. Uh, so, uh, J. Randy Tara Borelli is going to write what's being touted as the first comprehensive biography ever published of Beyonce. It's coming out next fall um, from Grand Central Publishing. And uh, it is untitled, but based on extensive research and will include exclusive interviews oh, with those pivotal to her personal and professional development, mm-hmm. and will explore all facets. Of her life, so I don't know. It's unclear from this piece if he had access to her or mm. if it's authorized. But you know, like authorized biographies tend to not be no, super no, excellent. No. Um, well, I mean,
1: I think both of them, an authorized and authorized biography, both have a place. You know, sure. like they do different things. I was just curious what yeah. you know. It got me thinking. We were we were talking about the, the Jonathan Franzen biography <sighs> or whatever. It's not even a I'm biography like, really. It's I'm more of a cultural biography. Yeah. <laughs> but like. Listen, people will buy this. Whatever, um, I'm just thinking. What's the ideal time to have a biography of someone? Because like Beyonce's story is far from over. Like, oh, yeah. there's an, there's like another biography or more down the road. Um, you know. Anyway, and well, but yeah, you also I don't, don't want there's... it where. I guess I don't want it where like the Steve Jobs biography came out after Jobs was dead. And he couldn't, you know, you couldn't ask him follow up mm-hmm. questions or, you know, I don't know what the right. When I
0: think it's possible to have more than one good sure, time, sure, like sure. like there's like, I'm listening to um, Hillary Clinton's hard uh-huh. choices on audiobook right now. And it's not her first memoir. No, like this is just, you know, 2008 to 2014 in, in that book, basically. Um, and Beyonce is having like, I, well, I guess Beyonce is kind of always having a moment because she's Beyonce and she's incredible. Um but there's really something going on culturally with Beyonce now and she's coming out talking about feminism mm-hmm. and her values and like really starting to swing big for who she is as a woman and use the power that she has as one of the most like you know iconic entertainment figures and also an iconic powerful woman of color in our mm-hmm. culture. Um I think this is a great time for a look at how she got here, like, mm. how do you go from you know, Destiny's Child and Say My Name and like cute, glittery music videos to really having the kind of impact on, like, particularly on young women that you get to have when you're Beyonce and you flash the word feminist up mm-hmm. behind you during a huge performance on MTV? Um, I, I am so all for this. I will read, I'm gonna read this book so hard.
1: Yeah, that's. I think it's interesting that it's coming out. I, I was. I, I wasn't really trying to critique this particular thing. It just yeah. got me thinking about like, I would. I, re- I would read a Beyonce biography. I think, but I don't mm-hmm. think I'll read this one. I want the. I don't know the full arc. I don't like the you mid. Want, like, I don't like the midstream biography. I guess is what interesting. I'm trying to say.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I guess I felt. Well, and here's my bias is coming out. I feel like it's totally too soon for Jonathan Franzen. Yeah. You know, like we've seen two really successful Jonathan Franzen novels, and like a couple other books, and people know who he is, and he certainly says things that get him into media, but. I would argue that Beyonce has made a bigger impact, oh, and she's certainly yeah, been a, she's been a success for a lot longer, so I can see I think this might be justified, but then again, like I'll read the midstream Beyonce Young. biography, and I'll read the a little farther down the stream beyonce biography, like whatever else
1: right. they want to do yeah, because I mean me. like timo she's like, oh did we talk about did we talk about last week that we you, got confirmation I, I talked about the Amanda, I guess.
0: You talked about it with Amanda and I just wept quietly. Yeah, that
1: there is a Morrison book coming out in the spring. Also speaking of, we got secondhand confirmation that Franzens turned in his next book to his publisher ah. as well. So the uh the, the the that those will be interesting events of the next year to 18 to 24 months. Who knows when his book will come out. Um and I still I I echo my call for a Toni Morrison biographer to come out from the woodwork or well, you let know, us I've, know or if you ever if anyone's listening to this ever hears <laughs> that there's please. a Tony Morrison biography <laughs> happening, please let me know because I spend at least some X number of seconds a day worrying about that. <laughs> I can just you know, take I it read, out of my list.
0: I read I think when um I think when Home came out, mm. I read an interview with her where she said that she had no intentions to ever write a memoir. That right. The publishers. She said for, that, yeah. I remember Yeah, her the saying publishers, that. for good reason, keep asking sure. her to write her memoir. I buy 10 and, myself. Yeah. And she doesn't, I guess, doesn't. What, she said something like she doesn't think that her life is, that is interesting. interesting enough, which.
1: Only interesting people say that. Team,
0: I need Toni Morrison to have better self esteem than that. And I believe that she does. Yeah. That's but but maybe she just doesn't want to open the kimono that way, and I can understand that too. Like, yeah. I, I don't know how much do I want to. I'm struggling with the Toni Morrison biography idea, Jeff. Like, how much do I want to know, and how much do I enjoy the mystery of how mm-hmm. magical she is?
1: Well, um, yeah, I, I I can understand that. I think uh, I think you I think you would read that living expletive out of that
0: <laughs> probably you know i liked the Marilyn robinson approach yeah. to it. and when i was a child i read books yes. um which is kind of memoir but through the lens of something like maybe we could get tony morrison to do that if she doesn't just want to write her life yeah. story
1: but you know i want to know like what what her you know what her years working as an editor were like you know mm-hmm. like all that kind of stuff like yeah. What are the politics when, around her? You know, like yeah, I mean, the, she talks winning the Nobel and going on Oprah and Yeah. She's got some dishy personal life She stuff. talks
0: about those like she drops she, little she nuggets of She doesn't go by her real name in for interviews. Right, that's true. There was a great um the New York Public Library releases some of their best events as podcasts and there was a great event I think about 6 months ago um with Juno Diaz mm-hmm. interviewing yes. Toni Morrison. And so I highly recommend listeners if that's it like it is so fantastic and juno diaz is so profane um i've never heard an author drop the f-bomb more in an event like i i saw i've seen him read and he just you know that's how he speaks and so he just curses (laughs) but he's on stage with tony morrison dropping the f-bomb with the same just swagger, and she's hanging with him, and they had this amazing conversation, and she gets into some of those things, like, you know, her early work as an editor and um, different pieces I, it's about an hour long but I think it's the it's live from the NYpl is the podcast if you know yep. you're listening to this podcast so you might be, you might be interested oh, we're well, we getting it, stuck we what are, are we move, talking we gotta, we got about gotta, even. we gotta move like we should we we have to move on, we have to move on. Um, Karen Russell's first short story collection, St. Lucy's home for girls Raised by wolves which is one of my favorite short story collections ever and also I think the best Karen Russell book um, has been to be developed into a television show for ABC. Mm. Um, this is, I think, fantastic Very news.
1: interesting.
0: Some people on Twitter tried to rain on my parade and say, oh, well, you know, Hollywood, like all it means is that it's been optioned and they might not even make a pilot. And most things that make pilots don't even become TV shows. But I am just going to walk around under an umbrella on this one. You cannot rain on my parade. But you know what I say to that?
1: If you're going to make a pecan <laughs> pie, you have to at least buy the pecans. Right. Right? You got to, you know, okay, well, so what? You got to do the first step to do the ninth step.
0: And we're kind of in a cultural moment. Man, I like moment today. Um, We're having a thing right now where books with some weird and surreal Mm -hmm. elements are making their way onto television and into movies. And TV is kind of going. It's mainstream, man. Yeah, TV's going that way also, where there's like genre crossover is a thing. And Karen Russell just does that so well. The writing is literary, but the concepts are kooky. Um, My favorite story in the piece is about kids who are at a camp for children who have sleep disorders. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they have (laughs) weird sleep disorders. Um, There's a story in here about a family like traveling west with a wagon train, but the father is a minotaur.
1: Of course. Um, Right. Which, right.
0: It's just so Minotaur weird. Minotaur is head of a head yeah, of a bull, body head of, of a, a man.
1: I yeah. think so. And a centaur is the opposite. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um it it's so weird and great, and she makes the world so believable that I'd love to see it on the screen and, and be that believable. And I've been trying to think about how you do a short story collection. As a TV series. Like, do you do one Maybe story do per... Maybe you
1: kind of like Twilight, Twilight Zone kind mm. of way where it's... They're each in sort of a snow globe universe yeah. that you tell a story in.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you do like one story per episode or do you sort of develop the different worlds of the different stories mm. as, as parallels and you move in and out of the storylines like while the kids are over here at the sleep disorder camp, here's what's happening with the Minotaur family. Like, I'm, I don't know how it works, but I'm so interested.
1: <laughs> in- yeah, it, it seems like in a very interesting screenwriting challenge. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that's going on. Let's do our next sponsor because okay. we're already, we're already, go th- we're already <laughs> running long here already, Kobo. Mm-hmm. is the sponsor of this one of the sponsors of the episode Kobo has over 4 million ebooks in dozens of categories from bestsellers to indie breakouts world class e-magazines over 100,000 kids titles with the free Kobo app you can read and write on your smartphone your tablet, your computer and switch between devices without losing your spot so if you're going from your iPad to your phone to wherever else you want to go that picks up right there. Another nice thing about Kobo, one thing we like about them, especially purchases you make th- through Kobo, can support your local independent bookstore. There's a sign-up process. Go to kobo.com. You can find out there how to do it. But if you're a kind of person who has switched all the digital, but still want to send a percentage of your purchases to a local uh, independent bookstore, you can do that. Or if you're the kind of person that's reading some print and some digital and still want to kick back. Um, a percentage of your digital purchase you can do it that way and it doesn't have to be your local independent bookstore you can sign up through you know some place where you grow up or if you don't have one next to you and there's one you want to support somewhere else just make some Portion of your purchase price goes to a book independent bookstore. Mm-hmm. You can do that. The price of the ebook is still the same. You, st- you pay the same price, but it stays there. Also, we learned this week that Marvel, over 250 digital comics, are coming from Marvel to Kobo. Yes. So that's another piece. So thanks so much to Kobo for sponsoring the show. You can go to Kobo.com and take a look at what they've got for you there.
0: Also, if you're a stats nerd, which, mm. I mean, some people on this yeah, podcast Yeah, you may or may not
1: uh, have two are- of them. <laughs>
0: um kobo's app has which i i buy my ebooks in kobo and then i read other ebooks in oyster and that's how i do my e-reading um and i have for several years so i love the kobo app particularly for the stats and it tells you not just like how many pages per hour you read but it does do that but it keeps stats on like the most con like where you're reading in different Mm -hmm. times of the day. And so you can take a glance and see, like, oh, you know, I thought I did most of my reading in the evenings, but I'm reading more over my lunch break than I even realized. Um, I love to see that kind of like, here's how many pages it takes, you know, how many pages per hour you read and your average hours per book and all that yep. stuff. It's like a little nice extra that you can get.
1: In the next story we're going to come out of the break doing, I'm thrilled about this one. Um, I can't, again, I can't remember when we talked about what, but um, there was news coming that the Bronx here in New York City was losing its last bookstore. Yes. Their last Barnes & Noble was going to shut down because their lease was getting raised. Like all rents in New York City are crazy and criminal and not to be thought of and talked about in polite company. Um, <laughs> and so 1.4 million people in the Bronx. So this is how many people live in Richmond. Uh, about a million. So this is like if there are no bookstores in all of Richmond plus another half of Richmond wow. <laughs> thrown on top of it, no bookstores. <laughs> uh, so that was a super bummer. Um, right? I mean, to put it mildly, <laughs> as for book carrying people go, but but some people got a B in their bonnet about this and did something about it. So and we got and there, are, some of them were our podcast listeners. So I got an email into the woo, for podcast at, at bookwrite.com dot com from Jess Cruz, um, saying, telling their story. So I just want to, I'll read a little bit this, right? So I'll she's, just
0: sit here getting goosebumps yeah. all over again. Uh,
1: prestige Properties announced that they would be accepting competitive offers, but Barnes and Noble didn't have the revenue to place a higher bid. At first, I resigned the fact that it would be closing, but then I thought to myself, what would Leslie Nope do? Yes, she at least yes, start the conversation yes. and bring the issue into the public arena. So I took to Facebook and reconnected with a friend from elementary school, Emiliano Zeno. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. That's me talking, and I'm still me, and here's not me anymore, who was just as incensed as I was about the closing. We created a petition, petition which blew up literally overnight. I don't think it literally blew up because that would have been a real problem and probably injured some people.
0: But literally overnight. Oh, the
1: overnight is literally, yes. Um, <laughs> we reached our goal of 1,000 signatures in three days. In three more days, we had over 2,200, and the issue was covered by the Daily News and New York Times and various local news stores. This afternoon – this is a week or so ago that um, Jess wrote. This afternoon, Bronx Bro president announced that he was able to intercede on behalf of all Bronxites and help negotiate an extension of the lease. The Barnes & Noble stay for at least another two years with no increase.
0: Oh, man.
1: So that's a hell of a job, Jess and Amelia.
0: Jess, you're the hero of the week. Hero of the week,
1: for sure. And Um, this
0: is, you know, talking about the We Need Diverse Books campaign earlier and talking about this now, people who care about things and get passionate about them and then harness the power of the Internet to do something.
1: yes. That's that pretty is, sweet.
0: It's no joke yeah. and it's not just uh, let's see what is the phrase that someone hurled at us dear when I when we were on Clicktivism. yeah shallow clicktivism it's clictivism. not that there's real power yeah. behind people who care about a thing finding each other and caring about it together and doing something and Man, Leslie Knope would be proud of you, Jess. I hope you go eat a big plate of waffles covered in yeah. whipped cream.
1: And uh, go go to your local Barnes & Noble, order a, a giant, disgusting caramel macchiato, peppermint <laughs> pumpkin, uh, <laughs> almond, um, cut chai, latte, and sit there and enjoy it for an hour and uh, revel in your accomplishment. Yeah, That's pat a heck yourself of a deal. on the
0: back. Sit in the sunshine and read a book. Like good job, yep. Jess.
1: It does show. And um, what was the other story? Kind of oh, the the little free library in uh, yeah. Kansas, where mm-hmm. you know if you care about something passionately, there's probably someone else out there that cares as passionately, and that means there's probably a bunch more people. And if you can galvanize some of that and point it at someone who can do something about it. It's a really amazing what you can do, especially when it comes to local government. Yep. Um mm-hmm. I, I sort of have given up on, you know, writing my senator. But you know who does listen is school board members, um, which we've seen for better or mm-hmm. worse, local city councilmen, mayors, um, zoning boards, all sorts of kinds of people. Your local
0: Leslie Nope. Your
1: local Leslie Nope, or be one that can find someone else. So good job, Justin Amelia. We're we're proud of you, and 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 thank you so much for writing to us and telling us what happened there.
0: I'm just. I, I remember like when you forwarded me that email just to, so I could see it last week sitting at my computer having a moment of like yeah, yeah. people good job good people. job people. And people I'm just sitting here in my office again just grinning that's such <laughs> a great it's just such a good story good job good man job. I'm I'm excited about that
1: um you know, what
0: else? We kind of have a potpourri of other. Yeah,
1: let's see here. Stuff, we talked about know, the Karen the... Russell TV deal. We talked about oh, do the Good Night Moon thing. Go do the Good Night Moon thing. Oh
0: yeah, this is a nice a nice tie-in to We Need Diverse Books. Yeah. several When We Need Diverse Books first rolled out, uh, first book, which is a great uh, nonprofit organization that gets books to underserved children, announced that they were creating a new project um, called I think it's called Books for All um, to bring more books by and about diverse uh, authors and diverse you know people of color and for diverse readers to market and the one of the things that they're doing uh, is they just announced yesterday that they've partnered with HarperCollins to introduce the first bilingual edition of Goodnight Moon. And mm. so it is Goodnight Moon, Buenas Noches Luna, and it's available now on First Book's uh, First Book Marketplace. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. It'll be available. Um, you can order it now from First Book, um, but it should be available in retail locations within the next couple of months. Um, when I got the press release from them yesterday, I asked if they had a, a store, an in-store date um, for retailers, and they don't have that available yet. But kind of... like. I'm kind of surprised that no one has thought of this mm. sooner, but and I think this is very crafty and smart on the part of first book, not to just roll out with us like a Spanish-language language edition of a popular children's book. I'm pretty sure that that already exists for Goodnight Moon. Mm-hmm. But here you can play not just into the fact that there are many kids growing up in bilingual households um, who want to be able to read the book side by side, but you also have a lot of parents who want their kids to learn Spanish yes. because of the importance of being able to speak Spanish and the increasing importance of that um, in American culture. So, Goodnight Moon, Buenas Noches Luna, smart idea. It's $2.90 in the first book marketplace. That's insane. Um, which How cheap I'm going to buy a copy just to support yeah. what First Book is doing. Um, they said uh, when they announced this uh, several months ago that they believe that there is room in the market and there's a desire from reading customers to see books by uh, people of color and books about people of color and that represent the full spectrum of experience. And, you, you know, they're rolling out these books with the belief that the books um, will find homes and mm-hmm. will be. That's going to succeed. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know
1: how many they're going to sell, but there's a market for that. I, I, I can guarantee you Yeah.
0: That. So you can pick up your copy of good night, moon, buenas noches, Luna. Um,
1: more potpourri here, um, maybe mm-hmm. potter-pourri, just, maybe is more ooh. a better way of thinking about it.
0: potter you? is this a surprise? No, I don't
1: think, I, it's in the agenda, but I'm, you may have oh. just not seen it. Um, J.K. Rowling. That's right. I can't say it right, I just, <laughs> I have to think about it. <laughs> uh, announced that on Halloween, which is tomorrow, so by the time you're hearing this, it'll be up on Pottermore.com, will publish a new original short story, Uh about Dolores Umbridge on Pottermore.com. Oh, oh I love her. Uh, you know, anyway, first, a couple of things. That, well, one is people will be inter- interested in this. If you're listening to this show, we talk about you know her a lot, and a lot of people are Harry Potter fans that like books anyway. So just in reading the story will be cool. She knows what she's doing, JK. Mm-hmm. We, we know this to be true. Um, Pottermore.com is a super interesting project. Um, also, I think she might be trolling us a little. Just because... <laughs> By most accounts, Dolores Umbridge is like people's <laughs> least favorite Harry Potter character. Maybe Rita Skeeter you could throw in there, you know, for the bottom of the, the last But draft. she's
0: fun to hate.
1: I guess so. I think J.K. is saying, what, what character could I write about and people will still flock to this? Like how, how down the totem pole of popularity of characters can I go <laughs> and still create a flood of um, raving lunatic uh, cliques? Uh, anyway, so that's how. Well, in this,
0: you get the you get the raving lunatic clicks from people who love all things Harry yes. Potter, and then she's also going to get the rage clicks yes. from people who want to read it just so they can be mad that she wrote a story about the yes. War of Summer.
1: <laughs> so that's coming. Um out uh well tomorrow it'll
0: be out now but yeah by the time you listen uh, to it
1: luckily you'll be hearing about this after the first day because Pottermore has a a pretty bad track record of crashing under the sheer weight of Potter fandom
0: but you would think at this point that they would have figured that out and like beefed up the servers or something
1: um yeah I don't know
0: that's my highly technical solution (laughs) (laughs) find servers and beef them yeah uh
1: so let's do our last sponsor and then do new books
0: yeah. Our last sponsor this week is The Wonder of All Things by Jason Mott. It's an elegantly written, deeply intimate, and emotionally astute story. Um, and he, you might recognize his name. His first novel, The Returned, came out last year yep. um, and is now... On television as the show uh, Resurrection. On ABC, Yes, on ABC. Uh, But here's what The Wonder of All Things is about. Um, On an ordinary day at an air show just like that in any small town across the country, a plane crashes into the crowd. And after the dust clears, a 13-year-old girl named Ava is found huddled beneath a pocket of rubble with her best friend. He's injured. And when Ava places her hands over him, his wounds disappear. Uh, So Ava has the unusual gift of being able—unusual seems like an undersell um, (laughs) there—but she has the unusual gift of being able to heal other people of their physical ailments. Up until this incident at the air show, her gift was a secret, um, but now the whole world knows, and suddenly people from all over the globe begin flocking to the small town where she lives looking for— her to heal them and looking to catch a glimpse of the miracle child. Um, but, of course, this unique ability comes at a great cost. And as Ava grows weaker with each healing, mm. she finds herself having to decide just how much she's willing to give up in order to save the ones that she loves. Um, that's, it sounds intriguing. And Jason Mott... He's he asks an interesting questions. Yes. Um He's like I have a little not,
1: morality place he's playing yeah, out with these um books, it seems like Yeah, I
0: have not I haven't read The Wonder of All Things yet. Um but I did read The Returned, mm. which is about it's kind of a flip on the leftovers. Like yes. it's interesting that those came out about the same time. Um but in The Returned, people who have been dead come back to life. Um, And they're not zombies. They're just themselves. Um, And And they're not
1: ghosts or cyborgs. They're They're just Yeah, no, they're not.
0: Right. It's like a super metal sci-fi concept, (laughs) but they're not Mm sci-fi creatures. They're humans. And um, the main characters of the book are a married couple, I think in their 60s, whose son died when he was like eight or 10, several decades passed. Mm -hmm. And then he shows up as his 8-year-old self mm-hmm. that he was when he died people come back at the age that they were when they died um and like their bodies are healed they don't look decayed they don't look sick there's something a little bit different about them mm-hmm. and that book the return focuses on like how do these families do they do you accept this person that you've already mm-hmm. grieved for and now they're back or and like the religious communities sort of explode over is this a gift from God that the people we love are returning or are these creatures like of the devil? Um, There's a big question mark hanging
1: over all their heads, right? Like what is this? And if we don't know, how do you deal with it? Right. And
0: so it's like Mott started with the experiment of like, okay, what are all the pieces of, you know, American society right now? And how would each of those pieces react if this thing happened? And then he works through all those Elements. Yeah, I met him at Bea
1: last year just for a few minutes in the signing line for the book, hmm. and he was a nice, interesting guy, Jason Mott. So that's The Wonder of All Things is a new book. Yep. And if that sounds good to you, you might also check out The Return by Jason Mott. You can get that in paperback or Yeah, digital. thanks
0: to Harlequin for sponsoring this show. Jeff, I've been looking forward to this new book's I, I was going to
1: wonder, if, you, speaking of dropping the mic, maybe this is it. <laughs> this is this, hard well, I have for to... me to construct a <laughs> trifecta of books that fit more accurate more I don't this know, is squarely like the, in your wheelhouse. I
0: know. This is the Shinskiest of Shinsky yeah. selections this week. Um oh. Well, maybe like the week that Tony Morrison, James Salter, and Marilyn Robinson all have yeah, books see, out. Yeah, but those are all lit fic. Someday. Maybe you get a
1: nice, you got a, non- okay, right, you got that's a non-fiction pick, you get true. a lit pick, and right. a comic pick. This
0: is, yeah, this is like me in a nutshell. Yeah. You're right. Um, so the first one, and the book that I have maybe been more excited about than any book this year so far, Yes, Please by Amy Poehler, came out on Tuesday. Today is Thursday, and I have listened to like mm, several hours <laughs> <laughs> of the audio book. Um, you guys, it's so good. It's a memoir. It's about her life, um, working in television and comedy, but it's also about womanhood and feminism and motherhood and just being a person who makes mistakes sometimes. Um, I probably was just as nervous for this book as I was excited about it because I felt a little bit, I have felt a little bit let down by some of the other mm. um, big female celebrity memoirs. Like I, I thought, Bossy Pants by Tina Fey was really funny. Pulled a punch but,
1: is what you've said, but it pulled a punch. Yeah, yeah.
0: Tina Fey. Um, I think when I wrote my review of it all the years ago when it came out, was it just felt like she was holding something mm. back. She didn't quite go to where. I wanted her to go. And I am so pleased to report that within like the first 10 minutes of Yes, Please, Amy Poehler just goes. Oh, she follows She's,
1: through on the punch. She, she yeah. does. Hmm.
0: She's so real and so honest, but also it's all tempered with Amy Poehler humor. Um, but, like the the chapter that I listened to last night, she talks about um, the importance of apologies and how we can make good apologies and how often we screw up trying mm. to apologize for a thing because we also try to defend right. ourselves with reasons and facts when we're apologizing. I'm sorry for having I did hurt because... someone right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she talks about um, a skit she was in on SNL that, It ended up being offensive and not just generally offensive, but offensive and hurtful to some people that she cared about. And when they called her attention to it, she just wanted to pretend like that had never happened and waited five years um, to acknowledge it. And Mm. so she writes this chapter about, you know, when you want to resist acknowledging that you did something that you really do know was hurtful even if your intention wasn't to be hurtful and how do you come to terms with that and then how do you also apologize in a genuine way um that's about making amends and not about defending yourself um and there's great stuff too about taking risks with work um the title yes please comes from partially uh the philosophy in um In improv, that you say yes to every Mm -hmm. opportunity, yes to everything that your improv, right, yes and to everything that your partners in improv ask you to do and that that's how the humor and the stories progress on stage. Um, But that she moves that philosophy into her work life in general, that when you get an opportunity, uh, even if it's something you don't think you're ready for or something that you're scared of, you say yes um, and you jump into it. And uh, I tweeted one of the the quotes yesterday of um, great people do things before they are ready And yes, Amy Poehler. (laughs) That's my blurb to yes, please. Is yes, I said yes, I will yes. Mm. Um, Nice. It's it's so, and that's maybe the first Amy Poehler James Joyce mashup. So you heard it here first.
1: I'm in. I'm in like Flynn. (laughs) I'm in like Leopold.
0: Man, it's so good. And you don't need to be a lady or an Amy Poehler fan to appreciate the lessons and stories and humor to be found. Um, Our comrade, Paul Montgomery, who runs uh, our comic site panels, is reading it right now, and we're geeking out together. Um, I would
1: say it's fair that it's running like wildfire through the the Book Riot writing community. Like People are into it. They're excited. They're pumped up. They're going to do it. It's
0: not just running like... Wildfire. It was like everybody was waiting to be able to buy it on Tuesday, and some of that is an artifact of that it was near impossible to get your hands on an early copy. So none of us.
1: True. Yeah.
0: None of us had read it, so we were all waiting for Tuesday to be able to buy it. And we've got folks who bought it in hardcover and ebook, and people listening to it on audio. But everyone is excited.
1: Yeah, um, sounds great. I hope to get to so, it. Before it's too so it's so great.
0: Somebody at the Hairpin called it the best non self help self help book ever. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's right. But we have to move on. Got to move on. We got to keep um, going here. One of my favorite works of fiction this year, maybe my favorite work of fiction this year, um, the Book of Strange New Things by Michelle Faber. That's, um, Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L, he's a European man, not an American lady, um, is about, it's a big novel, like 500 pages, about a man named Peter, who is a British missionary, slightly in the future, and he is, um, being sent by the corporation that has since taken over NASA to a colony that we have built on another planet. And he is going to evangelize to the beings who live there who have asked for someone to come and preach the gospel to them. So interesting. It is fascinating. It's
1: it's a weird spot for a missionary. It's uh...
0: He, yeah, he goes um, and he meets these other beings and he Preaches the gospel to them, and while he's there, um, fulfilling what he believes you know is not just his life's calling, but his mission from God. Um, his wife, to whom he is very close, and from whom he's never really been apart, um, is behind on Earth, and things are going to hell. Um, there are like. Natural disasters and earthquakes, and the stock market is crashing, and people are looting things like there, it's just one disaster after the next. And he's hearing about these from her, um, but on a delay through basically what's email, mm. um, between you know what she's sending on earth and what he's able to get from the base up on the other planet. And he's torn between do I stay here and do my mission from God, or do I go back? And be with my wife, um, and so it's that it's about that pull between, you know, your work and your calling and the commitments that you make to your partner, um, and the tension between science and religion, and it's so smart. Um, the aliens speak, and they have like they have their own language, but when they speak, Faber gives them their own font. There's like. I don't even know how to describe it. Pick up a copy of this book and look at it. Plus, Um, it has gilt
1: edges. Oh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's like, neither of us is big into the book as object, but I... I want to like pet this book and put it under my pillow and hope that it will make other little baby books that are just as <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> it's this gorgeous hardcover with gold gilt edges, which I'm sure is not an accident in that that kind of recalls um what Bibles mm-hmm. often look like. It's just it's just a knockout. um the writing is beautiful. Faber asks these huge questions. He doesn't ever come down on one side of what his characters do or should do or shouldn't have done. He doesn't judge them. And it feels so... It, it just feels so human. Like, he, he recognizes... The decisions that we all think we should make, or the ones we hope we would make, in a similar situation of like being asked to choose between you know, work and family, functionally, or between science and religion, if you're a religious person, um, and then he looks at what would a real person who's human mm-hmm. and not capable of just doing the right thing all the time, actually do. And then what would the fallout from that be? It's just so good.
1: And um, I, you said it before, and I don't think you've said it on the show because we haven't talked about the book, that if mm. you like the sparrow, yes. this is one to pick up as a companion. Yeah. A, mm-hmm. You know, sort of a, does a lot of, you know, in a way has a a lot of the sim- similar themes, but, you know, it's space and faith and morality and blah, blah, blah. Right. But. Yeah. Um, Without spin. parallel. What? The,
0: the blah, blah, blah.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh You know, the only thing he could be better if he had named it the missionary position, but in space, if that had been the name of the book. That's the only thing that would have been better about that. Um, oh, Jeff. So that's, and then one more. You want me to take Miss yes. Marvel? I don't know. Yeah, you, I mean, have
0: you been, yeah, you, well, just, I've only you read a couple it. of issues. I'll jump in. Uh, <laughs>
1: But Miss Marvel by G Willow Wilson and who's the illustrator? I just closed. Adrian
0: uh, Adrian Alfona. G Willow
1: Wilson, who wrote A Lift in Scene, is the writer for Miss Marvel. Miss um, Marvel, it's let's see. I guess it's the first trade is out, which so it's the first six issues in print. Yeah. Um, and it's Miss Marvel. She's a superhero, um, and uh, her her regular identity is Kamala Khan. Is that right? Is that what her name is?
0: Uh, yeah, Kamala. Kamala
1: Khan, who's a Muslim. No, wait. Yeah, she's is that right. Yes, yeah, she's or a Pakistani. Pakistani, okay, right. Muslim
0: girl who lives in Jersey City.
1: Yeah, and so she and that's it's not exoticized or, you know, that's just her background. And mm-hmm. she's a superhero teenage girl, um, who happens to be a Muslim living in Jersey City. And it's so like kind of cheeky, but heartfelt and fun and Speaking of something running through wildfire, fire oh. through our panel, our panels and our book riot writing mm-hmm. communities, everyone's on the Miss Marvel train. Um, oh, yeah,
0: it's a good train to be on, and and it is it is so cheeky and funny, and it feels so current. Yes. to me, like G Willow Wilson kind of gets what it would be like to be herself a, a
1: Muslim. Right. Uh, uh, and what it
0: would be like to be a teenage girl and, and what would be it. So Kamala writes fan fiction <laughs> and she gets really excited when her fan fiction gets, you know, a certain number of votes. Uh she's like on Tumblr. There's a great issue where um Kamala has a run in with Wolverine and the like the little captions in the word balloons around it are like like so claws much bendy very muscle <laughs>
1: you know, like,
0: like, like G, G Willow Wilson is in the internet yeah and uh and so that comes through in in Ms. Marvel and it I don't think we can overstate what a groundbreaking thing it is that there's a superhero comic book right now where it's not a white person turning into a superhero and it's not even and it's not a black person. They've had some of those, not enough, but some, but this is a, a Pakistani Muslim girl.
1: It is, you Um, know, it's, I feel like it's emblematic of what's the most, the most interesting stuff going on in comics, especially, you know, it's self-aware and diverse. Um, And, you know, inclusive in a way without, you know, really being about inclusivity. It's, you know, just sort of realist in a, 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 as much as a superhero book sort of can be.
0: It's diverse and inclusive, but the diversity isn't the story. Um, It's a great story on its own. You don't, you certainly don't need to be a Pakistani Muslim girl from Jersey City to enjoy all that the book has to offer. Yeah, it's like an artifact
1: Um, from some future time in which, publishing and culture is representative of the kind of people that actually exist in our, yeah, in our country. It's the, kind
0: of, it's the kind of thing that I hope the aliens find yeah. in our time capsule in a hundred years. Right, you know, um, It's great. So it's Ms. Marvel volume one, no normal, which, which means which it's contains, out in print.
1: You mean you could get, right. the, you can get in. It's a, uh, the first six issues,
0: in a trade paper. About, and this
1: is how I prefer to read my comics these days. Mm-hmm. I don't like to do dole them out one by one. I like to wait for a trade. Though I did read the first issue of Miss Marvel when it came out because I was super interested. But I will be yeah, picking this up relatively I'm,
0: soon. Yeah, I'm reading these as the issues come out um, because I can't wait mm-hmm. in between. Um, but I'll probably pick up this trade at some point as well. Because there's usually extras in there. You get to see alternate covers, you get to read letters yes. from the readers. There will be some sort of juicy extra. Um, so that is – this is this is probably the most me roundup of new books <laughs> ever. But Yes, Please by Amy Poehler, The Book of Strange New Things by Michelle Faber and Ms. Marvel, Volume 1, No Normal.
1: And that's and our show, that's man. that's our show. Uh, as always, you can get us at Twitter. On Twitter, I'm at Reading Apes. She's at Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. You can find show notes, bookridecom slash podcast. You can shoot us an email about whatever – Uh, podcast at bookriot.com you can find us there show notes for did I say podcast did I say the show notes title I forget I've lost (laughs) I kind of go in autopilot but if I get
0: bookriot.com slash podcast you can
1: find show notes and links to the articles and books we talked about this week we have 188 iTunes uh I guess you'd call them uh, rankings, star reviews, Mm -hmm. right?
0: 200 by the end of the year. Let's just go with
1: 200. So if you like the show and have a few moments to go to iTunes and rank the show and write a little review if you want. But whatever you'd like to do, we'd, we'd be certainly appreciative. That's the best way for people to find out about us. And we'll be back next week oh yeah
0: and if you have ideas for episode 100
1: yeah we're looking for that especially um, and uh, if you'd like a recommendation a book recommendation for someone in your life or for yourself shoot us an email you can leave a comment on the post we read all the comments on the post get us at twitter we're available find us it's on you
0: and by all means if you save your local bookstore please tell us
1: yeah if you do something heroic and awesome we want to know about that
0: we should make capes
1: oh, capes methodology corner capes maybe <laughs> something like that. All right, guys, we'll talk to you later.
0: Have a good week.